Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Okay. All right, one second. We got to turn one more mic on. Recording. Oh, this conference is being recorded. Okay. Uh, Give honor to God and all the uh, saints. Thanking God for another uh, beautiful uh, holiday. Just giving God all the praise. We know that the season, Jesus is the reason for the season. And that he came for us. And just thank God we have provisions. Through Jesus Christ. So we just give all, God all the honor and the praise. And um, tonight we uh, have a uh, beautiful uh, reading on the gifts of the ministry. And I find it very relevant for those going into ministry, ministries and gifts in the church, because the church is the place where people come to as a hospital. So there are different ministries that need to be there. Everybody has a uh, role in the kingdom of God, and and that's what life is about, finding out what our role in the kingdom of God is, what our role is on this earth to to help make this earth a better place. So with that being said, and being that it's Christmas, we're going to, I'm going to open up with a, a song here. Um, we're going to go with, uh, let's see, uh, I haven't heard Juanita Bynum. I wonder what's this like. It's Christmas time. Let's take a look. It's time to praise God. It's Christmas time. Oh, <laughs> 
To join to subconference, press number of subconference from 1 to 4 or press star to return to the conference. We're going to just uh, move forward here. Let me just make sure I can. This is being heard. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing. Okay. All right. Well, Merry Christmas and God bless you. Let's take a look at tonight. We're looking at the ministries and gifts in the church. What does the word minister mean? Now, I wanted to start with some Christmas prayers, right? Dear God, we come before you to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We celebrate the miracle of God coming as a baby, coming to live among us, coming to love us, and coming to show us the way to eternal life. During this Christmas season, Heavenly Father, help us to experience the story of the birth of Christ as though it were the first time we ever heard it. Bring to our thoughts a sense of wonder and awe at what took place 2,000 years ago. Allow us to watch as wise men who daily commanded great respect, humbly traveled to a stable and knelt with gifts in hand before a baby who was the Christ, the King. Let our imagination, excuse me, let our imagination hear the rustling animals and see the young couple who lovingly takes turns holding our promise in their arms. Help us to remember to live our life proclaiming the loving message of that night in our words and, most importantly, in our actions. We magnify your holy name this day. God, we thank you. Uh, Another one. Loving Father, with all the hustle and bustle of this holiday season, I am stopping right now and spending some warm moments with you. You are the most important thing in my life. You are my alpha and my omega. You are the beginning and the ending of each of my days. 
You made me, and I am your delight. And, Lord, I delight in you. Amen. God, we thank you for allowing us to see another Christmas Day, another day that we can give you honor and praise. We thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, for turning things around, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for exposing demons in high places, spiritual wickedness in high places, and taking those demons down. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for being the awesome God that you are, the sovereign God that you are. God, we may not understand many things, but we know, Heavenly Father, that you are the Alpha and the Omega, that you have a reason for everything, and what the devil meant for bad, God, that you will use for good. We thank you, God, for bringing people into the kingdom of God, for advancing your kingdom. Thank you, God, for giving targeted people clarification on their role on earth to be a part of the righteous side. God, we give you all the praise and the glory that we have another day to uh, live towards the destiny you created us for. We thank you, God, for your goodness and your greatness. We thank you, God, for turning things around. We thank you, God, for turning the curses into blessings. Heavenly Father, we bring before you the targeted individual program. We ask you, God, to give each and every praying targeted individual. And those not praying, let them begin to pray, God. Give them the strength to endure, to be the best person that you created them to be. To know that this, too, is a test and that they will be able to use their testimony. God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the hedge of protection over our elders, for the protection that you keep them, you've given them longevity. We thank you, God, for keep blessing them from head to toe, giving them clarity of mind, Heavenly Father, overcoming all the plots of Satan. We bind up any plot against them in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father. We ask you to bless our babies, our children, God, cover them, protect them, watch over them. Any plans of the devil, let it be turned around, Heavenly Father, let praying mothers be guardians over their children, God. We thank you, God, for them, for those are gifts. We give you all the praise and the honor that you've given us to be able to help raise these gifts that are on this earth. God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for all you've done, all you're going to do. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for each day for the land of the living, the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, for our parents that taught us how to pray. We thank you, God, for churches that are doing your work, that are not out here, Heavenly Father, just commercializing, but truly doing your work. And we ask you, God, to lead each and every one of us to the appropriate Bible-based church uh, to get the knowledge and the growth that you feel that you deem necessary. And for those of us who can't make it out there, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of praying. We thank you, God, for all the praying people that do come together to give you all the honor and the praise. We thank you and we praise and ask you, God, for a blessing over all the, our young adults, Heavenly Father, my nephews, Amy's children, Anne's children, um, all the praying, all the young people, my Marchese's children, all of these young people out here. God, be with them, cover them, have them outsmart the devil, Heavenly Father. Don't let the devil have them in their traps, Heavenly Father. We ask you, God, for special blessings over Elijah Scott. He's been targeted by some horrific demons. In the name of Jesus, we ask you, God, to break it up, turn it around. What the devil meant for bad, use it for good. Establish his place in the kingdom of God, Heavenly Father. But the devils know that their plan will not work. Cover him with the blood of Jesus from head to toe. And we thank you, God, for those ministers that are out here praying for him and praying with him and guiding and walking with him. 
We thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we're looking at uh, gifts and ministries, ministries and gifts in the church. What does the word minister mean? The word minister means to serve, which I didn't even know. And that's in Mark 10.45 and Romans 15.25. The word minister means to um, means to serve. Okay, yeah, it's in, I have a little background noise here. Okay. Who can have a ministry in the church? The person must have been born again, Romans 10.9. Then the person must be necessarily called by God to do a particular work. This may not necessarily be part of the fivefold ministry work, but it could also be a ministry of helps work, First Peter 4.10. After we have entered the kingdom of God, we must set ourselves apart unto God. To set ourselves apart, we must make a complete dedication of our lives, time, talents, and possession for his kingdom. This process of setting oneself apart is called sanctification. Romans 12, 1, Luke 14, 26. Wow, so any, who, can have, that's who can have a ministry in the church? And basically, uh, once one uh, uh, is born again and, and that they're called uh, by God to do a particular work, um, it could just be a, a work of helping. The key with the helps ministry is that they set themselves apart, their lives apart for dedication of their lifetime talent and possessions for his kingdom. And that is called, set, uh, the process of setting oneself apart is called sanctification. What must we do to have a ministry in the church? Believers must possess a single-minded passion to please God in love, devotion, praise, and holiness, and to offer their bodies for his service. Our greatest desire should be to live lives of holiness and to be accepted by God. This requires separating ourselves from the world and drawing ever near to God. We must live for God, worship him, love him, take his side against sin and for righteousness, resist and hate evil, perform works of kindness for others, imitate Christ, follow him, serve him, live by the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. We must offer our bodies to God as dead to sin and as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Romans 12.1. We must be obedient to God's word. Luke 14, 26 speaks of hating our loved ones. Speaks of the word hate in this passage means to love less. Jesus demands that our loyalty to and love for him be greater than every other attachment, even to our own families. That's a love for God. What are the ascension? What are the ascension gift ministries that Christ gave the church? After Christ ascended into heaven. He gave five ministries to provide leadership to his people. Christ gave the church the ministries of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Ephesians 4.8 and Ephesians 4.11. It lists the ministries, the gifts, 
gifted spiritual leaders that Christ gave to the church. Paul states that Christ gave the gift, one, for preparing God's people for works of service, Ephesians 4.12, and two, for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.13. Why did Christ give these ministries to the church? Christ gave these ministries to the church, the ascension of ministry to the church for her perfection, maturing, for training and edification, for building up. That's in Ephesians 4.12. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul teaches that the unity of the spirit and the unity in the faith are maintained and perfected by accepting only the faith and message of the New Testament apostles, prophets, oops, I'm 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 taping. Okay. Uh why did Christ give these ministries to the church? Christ gave the ascension gift ministries to the church for maturing, for training and edification. Okay, one was for the accepting only the faith and message of the New Testament apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Two, growing in grace, advancing towards spiritual maturity, and growing up in all aspects into Christ and being filled with all of the fullness of Christ and God. Three, to no longer being children who accept every wind of teaching, but who instead have knowledge of the truth by which to reject false teachers. Four, holding and speaking the revealed truth of Scripture in love. Five, living in true righteousness and holiness. What is, so that is the uh, Ascension Gift Ministry. What is the ministry of an apostle? An apostle is literally one who's sent as a messenger, sent one or as a messenger. The ministry of an apostle is the ministry Christ uses to plant and establish churches as well as strengthen those already in existence. He takes the oversight <clears throat> of the local church until <clears throat> the Holy Spirit prepares and reveals God's choice of a pastor. Until such a time, the apostle acts as pastor and spiritual father to the church, 1 Corinthians 9.2. So apostle is one that plants churches all around, and he acts as the pastor until they find a new pastor, and then he moves to the next place. The title apostle is applied to certain New Testament leaders. The verb apostello means to send someone on a special mission as a messenger and personal representative of the one who sent him. The title is used of Christ, Hebrews 3.1, and the 12 disciples, Matthew 10.2. And in Paul, Paul is in Romans 1.1, and there are others in Acts 14.4 and Romans 16.7, Galatians 1.19. Some details concerning the apostle. The term apostle was used in the New Testament in a general sense for a commission representative of a church such as the first Christian missionary. Therefore, in the New Testament, the term apostle referred to any messenger appointed and sent as a missionary 
or for some other special responsibility. They were men who manifested extraordinary spiritual leadership. They were anointed with power to confront directly the powers of darkness and to confirm the gospel with miracles and were dedicated to establishing churches according to apostolic truth and purity. Apostles in this general sense remain essential to God's purposes in the church. If churches cease to send out spirit-filled persons, then the spread of the gospel into the world will be hindered. On the other hand, as long as the church produces and sends such people, it will fulfill its missionary task and remain faithful to the Lord's great commission, Matthew 28:18. Jesus' chosen 12, the term apostle is also used in a special sense to refer to those who saw Jesus after his resurrection and were personally commissioned by the resurrected Lord to preach the gospel and establish the church. They possessed a unique authority within the church that related to divine revelation in the original gospel message that can no longer exist in anyone today. Thus, the office of apostle in this specialized sense is unique and unrepeatable. The original apostles can have no successors. And they also established churches. A primary task of the New Testament apostles was to establish churches and to ensure that they were founded on or restored to sincere devotion to Christ in the New Testament faith. And that's in John 21 15. Okay. Um, I got a little background in here. Let me just. I got to mute. Let's see if that. Yeah, I have to cut down the background noise. And sorry if the noise did come up to uh, those that were here. Let me get back on board here. Okay. We're looking at the ministries, the gifted ministries in the uh, church. Oh, boy. Okay, here it is. Okay. So. We were looking at the apostles, and we said they established churches, that Jesus' chosen 12 acted uh, as apostles. Um, They're essential to God's purpose in the church of going around planting the seeds, opening other churches. And um, the church must obey and remain faithful to the original writings to reject the inspired revelation of the apostles is to cease being a church according to the biblical pattern and to reject the Lord himself, John 16, 13, 1 Corinthians 14, 36. On the other hand, to believe the apostolic message, obey it and guard it against all distortion, is to remain true to the Holy Spirit, Acts 20, 28, 2 Titus 1 through 14. And it is to guarantee God's continued life blessing, and presence within the church. So apostles, uh, that's a very important ministry and gift in the church. What is the ministry of a prophet? A prophet is one who speaks for God, bringing revelation and direction from God to the church. A prophet speaks under the direct, let me make sure, testing, testing, okay. And uh, the prophet speaks under the direct impulses of the Holy Spirit in the name of God, and whose main concern was the spiritual life and purity of the church. 
Under the new covenant, they were raised up and empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring a message from God to his people. Acts 2.17. The gift of prophecy and the word of knowledge enables the prophet to foretell the future, to reveal present facts otherwise, otherwise not known, and to reveal the mind of God. Um, Acts 11.27. Sometimes the term seer, S-E-E-R, is used in the Old Testament to describe the ministry of the prophet. 1 Samuel 9.9 and 2 Samuel 24.11. The Old Testament prophets are fundamental for understanding the evangelistic ministry in the early church. Their primary task was to speak a word of God by the Spirit in order to encourage God's people to remain faithful to their covenant relationship. They also at times predicted the future as the Spirit revealed it to them. Their, um, the ministry of a prophet we're looking at. Prophets functioned within the New Testament church in the following ways. They proclaimed and interpreted the word of God called by God to warn Exhort, comfort, and edify, Acts 2.14 and 3.12. 1 Corinthians 12.10. The prophets, they were to exercise the gift of prophecy. They were at times seers, 1 Corinthians 29.29, who would foretell the future, Acts 11.28. Like the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament prophets were called to expose sin, proclaim righteousness and warn of judgment to come and combat worldliness and lukewarmness among God's people, Luke 1.14. Because of their message of righteousness, prophets and their ministry can expect rejection by many in the churches during times of lukewarmness and apostasy. The prophet has the ability to reveal the hidden truth and mysteries of God's word and to make them plain, Amos 3.7. The prophet's messages are not to be regarded as infallible. Their messages are subject to the evaluation of the church, other prophets, and God's word. The congregation is required to discern and test whether they're witnesses from God. 1 Corinthians 14.29. The prophet will also prophesy in the church, speaking words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14.3. Prophets continue to be essential to God's purpose for the church. A church that rejects God's prophets will be a declining church, drifting towards worldliness and the compromise of biblical truth. If prophets are not allowed to bring words of rebuke and warning, words prompted by the Spirit, words exposing sin and unrighteousness, then the church will become a place where the voice of the Spirit can no longer be heard. Ecclesiastical politics and worldly power will replace the spirit. Second mm. Timothy three one, Second Peter two, one through three, and twelve through twenty two. On the other hand, if the church with its leaders hears the voice of the prophets, it will be moved to renewed life and fellowship with Christ. Sin will be forsaken, and the spirit's presence will be evident among the faithful. First Corinthians four three. The prophet's character, burden, desire, and ability includes a deep sensitivity to evil and the capacity to identify and hate unrighteousness, Romans 12, 9, a zeal for church purity, John 17, 15, 
a keen understanding of the danger of false teachings, Matthew 7.15, Galatians 1.9, an inherent dependence on God's word to validate the prophet's message, Luke 4.17, 1 Corinthians 15, a concern for the spiritual success of God's kingdom and a sharing in God's feelings, Matthew 21.11. What is the ministry? Okay, and that's a, that's a prophet. So the prophet has a lot of work, and the um, prophet is a part of the uh, spiritual maturity, exhortation, comfort, and edification, um, and, um, you know, uh, foretelling uh, things in advance. What is the ministry of an evangelist? My mom was an evangelist. My mom was. She is an evangelist. An evangelist proclaims the good news of salvation. The New Testament evangelist is a foundation layer, a foundation repairer, and the extension arm of the church, 2 Timothy 4, 2 and 5. In the New Testament, evangelists were men of God who were gifted and commissioned by God to proclaim the gospel of salvation, to be unsaved, and to help establish a new work in a city. When proclaimed, the gospel always carries with it the offer and power of salvation, Romans 1.16. The ministry of Philip the Evangelist, Acts 21.8, gives a clear picture of the work of an evangelist according to the New Testament pattern. Philip preached the gospel of Christ, Acts 8.4. Many were saved and baptized with water, Acts 8.6. Signs, miracles, healings, and the deliverance from evil spirits accompanied his preaching, Acts 8.6. He wanted new converts to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 8.12. The evangelist is essential to God's purpose for the church. Well, they, 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 they bring in the people. The church that fails to support the ministry of the evangelist will cease to gain convert, converts as God desires. It will become a static church devoid of growth and missionary outreach. The church that values the gift, the spiritual gift for the evangelist, and maintains an earnest love for the lost, will proclaim in the message of salvation with convicting and saving power, Acts 2.14. Okay, so the evangelist goes out here and brings the people in and has a concern for people getting saved and salvation. What is the ministry of the pastor? A pastor is the shepherd of the local church flock. He has a deep concern for the spiritual well-being of the local church as demonstrated through his counseling, correcting, admonishing, warning, teaching, and disciplining, Jeremiah 3.15, Hebrews 13.17. Each church should develop a plurality of elders who can help the past and the oversight of the local church. The New Testament pastors were chosen not through politics, but through the Spirit's wisdom given to the godly as it examined the candidate's spiritual qualifications. Acts 20:28, Philip, uh, Philippines 1, Philip uh, 1, 1. The pastor should be supported by the local church so he can be free to devote his full energies to the ministry to which he has been called. Wow. 1 Corinthians 9.13, the task of the pastor is to proclaim sound doctrine, refute hearsay, heresy, Timothy 9.11, teach God's word and exercise leadership in the local church, 1 Timothy 3.1-5, 
be an example of purity and sound doctrine, Timothy 2, verse 7, 8. See to it that believers, that all believers remain in divine grace, Hebrews 12, 15. Their task is described in Acts 20, verses 28 to 31, as safeguarding apostolic truth in God's flock by watching out for false doctrine and false teachers within the church. Pastors function as shepherds of which Jesus as the good shepherd is a model, John 10, 11. Pastors are essential to God's purpose for his church. The church that fails to find godly and faithful pastors will cease to be governed according to the minds of the spirit, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. It will be a church left open to the destructive forces of Satan and the world. The preaching of the word will be distorted in the standards of the gospel law, 2 Timothy 1.13. Members and families of the local church will not be cared for according to God's purpose. Many will turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Wow. 2 Timothy 4.4. On the other hand, if godly pastors are appointed, believers will be nourished on the words of faith and sound doctrine and disciplined for the purpose of godliness. The church will be taught to preserve in the teaching of Christ and the apostles and thus ensure salvation for itself and those who hear. 1 Timothy 4.16. What is the ministry? Oh, so that's the pastor, okay. What is the ministry of a teacher? Teachers are those who have a special God-given gift to clarify, expound, and proclaim God's word in order to build up the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.12. The ministry of a teacher is to teach true doctrine as it is found in God's word. He teaches God's will and purpose as revealed by the spirit through the word, Acts 15.35. The task here is to God by the Holy Spirit's help, the, the gospel entrusted to them, 2 Timothy one. Uh, 11 through 14, they are to faithfully point the church to biblical revelation and to the original message of Christ and the apostles and to preserve in this task. The principal purpose of biblical teaching is to preserve truth and to produce holiness by leading Christ's body into an uncompromising commitment to the godly lifestyle set forth in God's word. The principal purpose of biblical teaching is to preserve truth and produce holiness by leading Christ's body into an uncompromising commitment to the godly lifestyle set forth in God's word. Scripture states that the gospel of Christian instruction is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. 1 Timothy 1.5. Thus, the evidence of Christian learning is not just in what one knows, but how one lives. Mm the manifestation of love, purity, faith, and godliness. Teachers are essential to God's purpose for his church. A church that rejects or refuses to hear those teachers and theologians who remain faithful to scriptural revelation will stop being concerned about the genuineness of the biblical message and the correct interpretation of the original teaching of Christ and the apostles. A church in which such teachers and theologians remain silent will not continue steadfast in the truth. New winds of doctrine will be uncritically accepted and religious experience and human ideas rather than revealed truth will be the ultimate guides to that church's doctrine, standards, and practices. 
On the other hand, a church that listens to godly teachers and theologians will have its teachings and practices measured by the fundamental testimony of the gospel. False ideas will be exposed and the purity of God's original message will be handed down to its children. God's inspired word will become the test of all teaching. And the church will be reminded that the Spirit's inspired word is ultimate truth and authority and as such stands over the churches and their institutions. As an ascension gift ministry, the teacher will travel to other local churches as the Spirit of God directs. Acts 13.1, 1 Timothy 2.7. What is the ministry of an elder? An elder. An elder is a mature person who is recognized as a spiritual overseer in the local church. These terms are used to describe the ministry. Elder describes the position and maturity. Bishop describes the same ministry in terms of his function of oversight. Presbyter comes from the same Greek word as elder and means the same thing. The ministry of an elder includes serving the Lord's Supper anointing the sick, and teaching the word of God. Acts 20, verse 28, James 5, 14. What is the ministry of a deacon or deaconess? The basic meaning of the word deacon is to serve or minister. The deacon helps the pastor, he ministers, and elders. Help The deacon helps the pastor, ministers, and elders. This service helps the leadership better perform their ministries to the body. Deacons help especially with the temporal needs of the church. They function in the helps ministry, 1 Timothy 3.8 and uh, 1 Corinthians 12.21. Okay. Oh, wow. We're looking at ministries and gifts in the church. And this is a, a pretty long one here. Now we have laying on of hands. How important are the, uh, the gift of laying on of hands? How important are our hands in the Bible? Our hands have always had great significance throughout the word of God. Our hands are the very extension of our person, a vehicle of blessing. We lift our hands to bless, to praise, and worship our God. Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. Psalms 47, 1. What is the doctrine of the laying on of hands? It is the belief that the divine power of God can be transferred from one believer to another by laying hands on another individual to bring healing or deliverance. Was this doctrine practiced in the Old Testament? Yes, many times. Jacob laid his hands on Joseph's children to convey blessings, Genesis 48:14. The priest laid his hands upon the scapegoat, thus signifying the transfer of the sins and iniquities to the goat, Leviticus 16:21. Moses laid his hands upon Joshua, thus imparting a portion of the wisdom and authority, Deuteronomy 34.9. When the Levites were called to do the service of the Lord, all of Israel put their hands on them, ordaining them to that service, Numbers 8.10. Was this doctrine practiced in the New Testament? Yes, we find four different ways in which the laying on of hands was used, healing the sick, blessing of children, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and ordination of ministry. The laying on of hands was greatly taught and practiced by Jesus himself. <clears throat> Mark 16, 18, Matthew 8, 3, Mark 5, 22. 
The ministry of the apostle was confirmed by the laying on of hands, Acts 5, 12, 8, 17, and uh, Acts 6, verse 5 through 6. Through the laying on of hands, the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit in the same sense as the baptism in the Spirit that occurred at Pentecost, Acts 1.8. The Samaritans' two-stage experience, first believing and then being filled with the Spirit, it shows that the two-stage experience of the believers at Pentecost were not abnormal. The experiences of both Paul in 9, chapter 9, verse 5 through 7, and the Ephesian disciples were the same as the Samaritans. They accepted Christ as Lord and afterwards were filled with the Spirit. They need not be a long time lapse. However, between saving faith and baptism in the Spirit, as demonstrated by the Gentiles at Sisera, through this lesson, we see <clears throat> that the laying on of hands is not a mere ritual or ceremony, but means of imparting God's life or blessing. Mm. Interesting. Okay, quick review. And then we have a little quiz on this. Let me just back it up. What we went over tonight, we were looking at the ministries and gifts in the church. We learned that the word minister means to serve. We learned to have a ministry in the church. We must be born again. We must have a calling and feel that God called us to that ministry. And we must have a passion for doing that work, a complete dedication of our lives, our talents, our time, and possession for God's kingdom. And we must set ourselves apart, which is called sanctification, and that's in Romans 12.1. And uh, what must we do to have a ministry in the church? We have a, must have a single-minded passion to please God in love, devotion, praise, and holiness and to offer our bodies for his service. Our greatest desire should be to live the lives of holiness and to be accepted by God. This requires separating ourselves from the world and drawing nearer to God. We must live for God, worship him, love him, take his side against sin and for righteousness, and resist and hate evil, and perform works of kindness So, in order to have an effective ministry in the church. What are the ascension gift ministries that Christ gave to the church? And that just means that after Christ ascended into heaven, he gave five ministries to provide leadership to his people. Christ gave to the church the ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's all in Ephesians 4, 8, and 11, 12. Ephesians 4, 11 lists the ministry gifts. And the... the, uh, the, the uh, ascension ministries was, was were developed for uh, preparing God's people for works of service and for the spiritual growth of the body of Christ. Why did Christ give these ministries to the church? He gave these ministries to the church for specific purposes and such included so the church could mature. He gave it to them for training and edification and building up. That was the purpose, to help People accept only the faith message, uh, accepting only the faith and message of the New Testament apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to help churches grow in grace and to live in true righteousness and holiness. What is the ministry of an apostle? 
we learned that the ministry of the apostle was to plant seeds to go out here and build churches and to act as the pastor until they get another pastor, a permanent pastor. What is the ministry of the prophet? The prophet is one who speaks for God. He brings revelation and direction from God to the church. The prophet can also act as a, 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 will also prophesy. And in his prophecy, there will be words of edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we looked at the ministry of the evangelist. The evangelist was in a, proclaims the good news of salvation. And the New Testament evangelist is a foundation layer, foundation repair, and the extension arm of the church. They go out here and they bring in new souls. They help people come to God and um, walk with them through the walk with God. And we looked at um, signs, miracles, healing, and deliverance from evil spirits. They do. Um, The evangelist. Uh, works 100% towards the purpose for the church. The church that fails to support the ministry of the evangelist will cease to gain converts as God desires. What is the ministry of the pastor? The pastor is the shepherd of the local church. He is the foundational leader. He proclaims sound doctrine. He refutes heresy. He teaches God's word and exercises leadership in the local church. He is an example of purity and sound doctrine. Pastors are essential to God's purpose for the church. And we looked at what is the ministry of a teacher. Teachers are those who have a special God-given gift to clarify, expound, and proclaim God's word in order to build up the body of Christ. The ministry of the teachers to teach true doctrine as it is found in God's word. He teaches God's will and purpose as revealed by the Spirit through the Word of God, the Bible. And the task here is to God by the Holy Spirit's help, the gospel entrusted to them. They are to faithfully point the church to biblical revelation and to the original message of Christ and the apostles and to preserve in this task. We looked at the ministry of the elder. The elder is a mature person who's recognized as a spiritual overseer. And uh, the elder is uh, a position of maturity. Bishops, uh, another word for elder, similar. Bishop describes the same ministry in terms of its function of oversight. And the ministry of an elder includes serving the Lord's Supper, anointing the sick, and teaching the word of God. The ministry of deacon and deaconess is to help or to serve or minister. The deacon helps the pastors, ministers, and elders. This service helps the leadership better perform their ministries to the body. Deacons help especially with the temporal needs of the church. Then we looked at laying on the hand of hands, how important these are gifts, ministries and gifts in the church. The gift for the laying on of hands, the laying on of hands uh, is very important. Um, Psalms 47.1 is is a doctrine. The doctrine, what is the doctrine of the laying on of hands? It is the belief that the divine power of God can be transferred from one believer to another by laying hands upon another individual to bring healing, deliverance, and things of that nature. 
Okay. Then we learned that laying on of hands was practiced in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let's go to our quiz. It is quiz time. Let's see. So let me be clear. Mm-hmm. Quiz. I should have went right to jump to. Let's see. Okay, let's go back. Okay, ministries and gifts in the church. Let's do the quiz. Oh boy, I gotta go read then. All right, any questions, anyone? You can always, if you're on talk show, okay, you can uh, put a note in the chat. Um, let me open up. I unmute it. Oh boy, I lost that line. Okay, they dropped. They dropped that line. That's sad. How does that line get dropped and it doesn't look dropped here? How do they do that? <clears throat> it says that both lines are here, but yet it's not here. Okay. Testing, testing. Why? It's managed conference called. Oh, okay. Yeah. Testing, testing. Let's see. Testing, testing, one, two, three. I should be still in there. I don't know why this looks like it's dropped, but it's not. Okay. All right. Um, Any questions? Any questions, anybody? All All right. We'll go right to our quiz. Okay. The ministry... This ministry is about the oversight and caring for the local church. Uh, That should be, this ministry is about the oversight and caring for the local church. Let's see. Uh, Well, put these answers in there. About the oversight and caring for the local church. Oversight could be the um, elder we learned. Oversight was, let me go with elder, or it has to be pastor or elder. I better go with pastor. P-A-S-T-O-R. Pastor is correct, right. Okay. This ministry is about directly revealing what is in the heart of God, whether it may be good or bad news. That's That's a prophet. Okay. A person in this ministry is gifted by God to expound and proclaim the truth of the word to build up the church. A person in this ministry is gifted by God, okay, to expound and proclaim the truth. That's the teacher. That is correct. This is the ministry of proclaiming the message and power of the gospel. This is the person that goes out and, you know, brings people in and helps them walk with God and, you know, brings the new new converts in, that is the evangelist. Okay. Well, this was short. 
Uh, this ministry concerns the planting and establishment of churches as well as the strengthening of those already existing. Why does that say wrong? I would say, maybe maybe it's misspelled, but I would say that's the apostle too. Let's see, maybe it's the spelling. Hold on a minute. Yeah, if it's going out there, building churches, it has to be the apostle. Let's see what I... Why is that listed wrong? Maybe I misspelled it. Let's go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Lesson nine. Okay, we learned that ascended they gave five ministries. Oh, apostle was misspelled. Okay, A P O S T L E. It's T L E. Let's put the right spelling it T L E. Apostle. This ministry concerns the planting and establishments of churches. Right, that's the apostle was misspelled. I knew that was correct. I'm going to close it. Let's submit the page. Okay. Submit all. Okay. All right, that was short. This ministry is about the oversight and caring for the church. That was the pastor. This ministry is about directly revealing what is in the heart of God, whether it may be good or bad news. That's like... um, Prophecy, so that would be the prophet. This person in this ministry is gifted by God. It's a God-given talent, and their job is to expand and proclaim the truth of the word to build up the church, to explain the word of God, and to build up the church that is the teacher. And this is the ministry... Excuse me. Excuse me. This is the ministry of proclaiming the message and power of the gospel and going out and getting new people in the church, that's the evangelist. And this ministry concerns the planting and establishment of churches as well as the strengthening of those already existing. That is the apostle. Okay. And that was the short quiz. And um, that, um, that is it. Discover a different way to cleanse your skin. Let's see, let's see. Let's see. All right, I have a busy day tomorrow, so I'm going to close out here. Um, Let me just quickly just, uh, let's see. uh, With the Christmas note, I'm going to end with the uh, reason for the season. We give God all the praise and honor. And just thanking God for being God. Thanking God for a praying mother. 
Okay. Studying the word. Studying the word. Honoring God, Mama. Like you taught me. Okay. Uh, I wanted to do a quick Christmas story. Let's take a look here. Oh, boy. All right, let's see. The Christmas story. About 2,000 years ago, when King Herod ruled Judea, now part of Israel, God sent the angel Gabriel to a young woman who lived in the northern town of Nazareth. The girl's name was Mary, and she was engaged to marry Joseph. The angel Gabriel said to Mary, Peace be with you. God has blessed you, and he is pleased with you. Mary was very surprised by this and wondered what the angel meant. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. God has been very kind to you. You will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a baby boy. Boy, I know her fiancé must have said, what is this? And you will give birth to a baby boy and you will call him Jesus. He will be God's own son and his kingdom will never end. Mary was very afraid, but she trusted God. Let it happen as God chooses, she replied to the angel. Gabriel also told Mary that her cousin Elizabeth, who everyone thought was too old to have children, would have a baby boy whom God had chosen to prepare the way for Jesus. Mary said goodbye to her family and friends and went to visit her cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah. Elizabeth was very happy to see Mary. She knew that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son. An angel had already told Zachariah that Elizabeth's baby would prepare people to welcome Jesus. He was to be called John. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned home to Nazareth. Joseph was worried when he found out that Mary was expecting a baby before their marriage had taken place. He wondered if he should put off the wedding altogether. Then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, don't be afraid to have Mary as your wife. The angel explained that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of his son and told Joseph that the baby would be named Jesus, which means savior, because he would save people. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had told him to do, and he took Mary as his wife. Can you imagine? She was sitting there pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and he was like the fiancé. That was some stuff. But they knew the spiritual power of God and his angels, and they listened. At this time, the land where Mary and Joseph lived was part of the Roman Empire. The Roman Emperor Augustus wanted to have a list of all the people in the empire, in the town. To make sure they paid their taxes, he ordered everyone to return to the town where their families originally came from and enter the names in a register or census, like the Census Bureau. Mary and Joseph traveling a long way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, because that is where Joseph's family came from. Most people walked, but some lucky people had a donkey to help carry the goods needed for the journey. Joseph and Mary traveled very slowly because Mary's baby was due to be born soon. When they reached Bethlehem, they had problems finding somewhere to stay. So many people had come to register their names in the sentence that every house was full and every bed was taken in all of the guest rooms. 
The only place to stay that they could find was with the animals. People often kept animals in the house, especially at night, and used them like central heating. People normally slept on a raised upper level with the animals below to give them extra warmth. So in the place where the animals slept, Mary gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God. In those days, it was a custom to wrap newborn babies tightly in a long cloth called swaddling cloth. Jesus' bed was the manger that the animals ate their hay from. In the hills and fields outside Bethlehem, shepherds looked after their sheep through the long night. As the new day began, suddenly an angel appeared before them and the glory of God shone around them. The shepherds were very, very scared, but the angel said, don't be afraid. I have good news for you and everyone. Today in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born for you. You will find the baby lying in the manger. The many more, then many more angels appeared, lighting up the sky. The shepherds heard them, praising God, singing glory to God in highest and peace to everyone on earth. When the angels had gone, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem to see what has happened. So the shepherds went to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph. The baby Jesus was lying in a manger, as they had been told. When they saw him, they told everyone what the angel had said, and everyone who heard the story was astonished. When the shepherds returned to their sheep, praising God for sending his son to be their savior. When Jesus was born, a brand new bright star appeared in the sky. Some wise men in faraway countries saw the star and guessed what it meant. They were very clever men that studied the stars and had read in very old writings that a new star would appear when a great king was born. They set out to find the new king and bring him gifts. The wise men, I wonder why there's something else. Let me see. I went to some wise men faraway country saw the star and guessed what it meant. They were clever men that studied the stars and had read in very old writings that a new star would appear when a great king was born. The wise men followed the star towards the country of Judea, and when they got to the capital called Jerusalem, they began to ask people, where is the child who was born to be king of the Jews? Herod, the king of Judea, heard this and made him, it made him very angry to think that someone might be going to take his place as king. Herod sent for the wise men to come to him. He told them to go on following the star until they had found the baby king. He said, when you found him, let me know he is, where he is so that I can go and worship him. But Herod did not tell them that he really had an evil plan in mind to kill the new king. The wise men followed the star towards Bethlehem, where it is said that the king would be born in the old writings. It seemed to stop and shine directly down upon the place where Jesus was. The wise men entered the house where they now live and found Jesus with Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. The wise men spread the gifts they had bought before Jesus. The gifts were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The wise men were warned in a dream by God not to go back to Herod. So they returned home to their countries in the east by a different way. When the wise men had gone, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, the angel said. Take Jesus and Mary and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for Jesus to kill him. 
So Joseph got up, took Jesus and Mary. During the night, they left to Egypt, where he stayed until Herod died. Wow. When Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was furious. He gave them gave orders to kill all the boys aged two or younger in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. This was to try and kill the new king as his plan to find the location of the new king from the wise men had failed. After Herod had died, Joseph had another dream in which an angel appeared, and the angel said, get up, take Jesus and Mary, and go back to Israel, for those who were trying to kill Jesus are dead. So Jesus got, so Joseph got up, took Jesus and Mary, and they went back to Israel. But when he heard that Herod's son was now king of Judea, he was afraid to go there. So instead, they went to Galilee, and they lived there, and, they, and lived in their old town of Nazareth. And that is a short story of the Christmas story of Jesus Christ and the tormentation from when he was a baby. He was targeted to be killed by an envious old king. Mm. Someone that just was simply jealous. But God, thank God for his angels. Thank God for God sending those angels. Thank God for uh, Mary and Joseph being obedient and listening and overcoming all what the world may have said about that pregnancy and everything else they had to deal with. So, God, we just thank you, Heavenly Father, for your story, God, better understanding, clarification, understanding that you were, that your son was born a targeted individual, came into the world fighting for his life, having demons trying to take him out from when he was a baby. But, God, you covered him, and like you covered him, you can cover the rest of the targeted individual community members that are being targeted to be killed. And that's for those that are suffering, that are being tortured. God, we ask you to give them extra strength, Heavenly Father. Bless our sister Anne, who's always here. God, we know that these people are trying to harm her, hurt her, torture her. But God, we thank you. If you did it for your son, you can do it for her. They say God is not a, but God does not have a, uh, what is it, a different treatment for people. So we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your miracles. We thank you, God, for knowing that you're going to change things around. Nothing in life stays the same. And we'll be set free. Elijah Scott, my nephew, will be set free. And we bind up every demon attacking them in the name of Jesus and every attempt on their lives to kill them. Like Harry tried to do in the past, we have demons trying to take out God's people. But, God, we thank you, God, their provisions on the cross, their provisions with that sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. And we thank you. We thank you, God, for your perseverance over us, over your son, as your children. We give you all the praise and the honor, Heavenly Father. As we go into this week, we ask you to bless each and every listener, participant, downloader, all that are here, our sister Anne. Let I have a blessed week. Open up the windows of heaven for each and every one of us, Heavenly Father. Bless our elders. Amy's mother, Anne's mother, my mother, cover them from head to toe, God. We thank you for the gift of longevity. We thank you, God, that they will not be taken out before you say so. We thank you, God, for the coverage over their lives. We thank you for the coverage over our lives. God, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, God, for spiritual growth. 
for being able to walk in your word, to live better, to learn more every day. We thank you, God, that we know that you're turning things around. And, God, we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for this time that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Any, any, any other uh, Anne, you want to pray? Anne, would you like to pray? Any, anybody else wants to pray? Okay. Your conference recording has stopped. You want to pray? Mary? Yes, darling. You want Mary? to pray? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Yes, okay. okay, go ahead. Go ahead, darling. Okay. Father God in heaven, in Jesus Christ's name, Father, I pray, Father, and thank you so much, Father, for bringing us together this evening, this day, a day of um, rejoicing of uh, of your son's birthday, Father God. As, uh, this is Christmas Day, or day after Christmas. I thank you so much, Father, for giving us so many blessings and so many forgivenesses. And, and, and Father, also, we, we trust and love you, and, and you provide such guidance and through your guidance we develop our faith and never departing from um, your ways, Father, as we grow closer and closer to you, Father. I pray, Father, for your continual blessings and your continual love and support, Father, as I do love you and I will always love you. I pray also for torture sickness, Father, you fear pain and suffering. Father, show us the way as you continue to show us the way and strengthen us, Father, to deal with all that we have to endure along that path, Father. In Jesus Christ's name, Father, I, I ask also the blessings for my dear friend Miriam and her mother and her, her nephew. I ask uh, blessings for Amy and and all of her um, family members as well, and I ask for blessings for my family and all the families of those who are targeted victims and, and also their friends, Father. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray forever and ever. Amen. 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 Thank you. That was beautiful. You're welcome. Thank you. And, um... Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.